And welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is where we take a look at the things of this world through a biblical perspective and try to get clarity that we might not see if we look at it through a worldly perspective. And with me is Dan Delzell. Dan is an author at the uh, ChristianPost.com. He's also a pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska. And, and Dan, you know, we've been talking lately about politics and about the things going on in this world. And it's finally, you know, kind of ended from the standpoint of we have the inauguration today. We have a new president installed, and President Trump is now on his way to Florida to uh, deal with life after the White House. But one of the things that we had done prior to kind of talking about current events and talking about the election and things like that was we were actually focusing on some of the uh, earlier writings that you've done with the uh, the Post on, on Christian living and the Christian lifestyle and, and things that uh, Christians should be kind of aware of. And, you know, basically just talking about that Christian lifestyle and, and, and biblical principles. And I came across an old article that you wrote a couple years ago. And, um, in fact, it's almost three years uh, to the day, but it's called Why Sin is So Destructive to Your Soul. And I think one of the things that we've kind of learned through this political climate is that there is a lot of sin. Obviously, everybody is sinful and everybody has a sinful nature and everybody does wrong. But it is. We see the destruction of the soul more and more. And it's, it's almost like it's magnified or amplified through this political process because there's people that I know that um, say they're Christians, but then they contradict themselves and their actions or things they say. I'm sure people say the same for me. Um, but, uh, but it seems like that this sinful nature that we have is really you know, Satan's really working. I know there was a time that you also wrote another another article or you talked about how, you know, demons attack the eyes, the soul, the spirit. And that seems to be what's been going on. Like we have these blinders on to the Christian uh, biblical principles and we're trying to live this, you know, worldly life. We're trying to put our faith in worldly leaders, you know. Our mind is being taken over by the things we absorb on TV and the things we absorb in social media and the arguments we take place uh, with others on social media. And it's almost like the depravity of man is taking over and it's almost like we have to get refocused again on the fact that the the problem isn't each other. It's the problem is the sin. The enemy is us or, like you said, is the sin within us. And so I thought that might be something that we could just kind of talk about today. Why is sin so destructive to our soul? Well, it's a great topic, Son. And, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, the way that, you know, demons attack the eyes and the mind and the body. And I remember when I wrote that article, I really used, you know, the example of Adam and Eve, uh, of course, the, the first human beings, uh, you know, these two that God created, and then their, their, their sin um, you know, James speaks about, uh, what happens, uh, when, when we sin in uh, chapter one, he writes, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. So James describes that process. Uh, of course, with Adam and Eve, they were not created with a sinful nature. Um, every human being after them, including their children, um, you know, uh, became uh, became sinful from birth. You know, the Bible says, "In sin did my mother conceive me." But but for Adam and Eve, if you remember, song, you know, it, it talks about how 
that 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 fruit there on that forbidden tree, how it was pleasing to Eve's eye. So so you know, sin is something that can come in through the eyes. You know, the eyes are like the window of the soul, and and um, you know, the Bible speaks about you know, if a man's eyes uh, are are not bad, or, you know, are bad, then his whole body will be dark. You know, this is why Job, of course has that great line uh, in the book of Job where he says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman uh, because he, he recognized that, that his eyes are capable of, of taking him into, uh, into great sin when he makes choices that are connected to the lust of the eyes. But, but Eve had this, this thing that looked good to her uh, and, and ultimately, of course, to Adam as well, so, so their their eyes were engaged in it. Um, their mind became engaged in it when when Satan lied to to Eve and 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 suggested that you know it really wasn't so bad and you know God doesn't want you to to to, to know more than what you do and and you know he he sold her a bill of goods. So so their eyes were um, complicit. Their mind was complicit. And then the last thing to go then, son, is is the body. You know they they took a bite of it. They took a bite of the fruit. And so they were, they were all in at that point, you know, eyes, mind, and body. And this is often how sin works, especially in our day, I would say, son, with, with all of the, uh, the influence and the media, the Internet, all the visual stimulation that, that we as human beings face. Um, it, it, more than ever, um, sin is so destructive to our, our spiritual and emotional health and also to our physical health. You know, be, be, because uh, sin does have a way of involving all three of those aspects of our of our being. Um, you know, what we're looking at, what we're thinking about. And then, you know, by the time we've given our mind and our eyes over to something that God says is forbidden, I mean, why not just go all the way and just, you know, throw your body into that thing as well? Um, so, so this is the predicament that we find ourselves in as human beings, that um, as, as James, uh, you know, describes, um, we, we, we find these evil desires that, 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 that crop up. It's not God tempting us, but as James said, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. So this really is a great topic, Son, to discuss because, you know, every human being experiences this. Um, Christians and, you know, believers and unbelievers alike experience sin and, and temptation, and it truly has a very, uh, very deadly uh, impact upon uh, upon man's uh, man's soul, upon his spiritual life, um, and and those who don't know the Lord, uh, you know, as they just maybe continue to give themselves over to sin, first and foremost to the sin of unbelief, but then to other sins, um, it, it just has a way of hardening man's heart against the things of God. So, you know, there, there there's nothing good um, that comes, you know, from sin. D.L. Moody had a great quote about the Bible and sin, you know, the famous evangelist, he said, um, uh, sin will keep you from this book, and this book will keep you from sin. So the more we dive into sin, the less of an appetite we're going to have for Scripture and the things of God. But the more we, we feed on Scripture and feed our mind and our eyes um, and our life in, in, the, in the purity of the Word of God, um, the Bible will keep you from, from, from sinning, at least to the degree that, you know, that you would otherwise. I mean, we're, we're still imperfect, right? But, but um, the Bible truly has the power to protect our hearts and minds and to help us to live our days um, seeking to serve the Lord in holiness 
rather than just, you know, diving into sin, which is kind of our natural inclination, uh, you know, ever since we came into this world, um, you know, born with a sinful nature, and then all the temptations of the world around us, I mean, we, we truly need the Lord to help navigate, help us navigate through this, because um, there are a lot of landmines out there today. You know, Dan, one of the things that we see is the the subtlety in which Satan works, the subtlety by which he might begin to tempt us with something. You know, it might be, like you say, maybe uh, some something that we, we desire, we want. Maybe it's a, it's a it's an object. You know, I know just kind of off the top of my head, you know, PlayStation 5 or whichever one is out now was a, was a in high demand, you know. And you think about, you know, people that want something and maybe they don't have the ability to pay for it right now, afford it. And so they start scheming maybe a way to steal one. Okay. Or maybe it's a relationship. And so you're in a relationship, but then someone else comes along and, and they catch your eye. And so it starts out as something as a subtle conversation. You know, maybe at the, at the, uh, old days, it was the water cooler. I don't know what it is now, but you know, you're just sending maybe an email here and there. And then it's, it grows from there. And then all of a sudden you had these little subtleties that were dropped in on us become this full on now temptation that is hard to, uh, to, to battle and to fight. And then we slowly give in, you know, I, I think of the church, you know, how many kind of, I'll just say it, you know, false religious things are being taught in the church, you know, bad scripture, bad, you know, uh, biblical, uh, interpretations, how we're getting the wrong message. You know, you look at, uh, pastors across this country that are like promoting things that the Bible specifically talks about that is wrong. Uh, for example, one time when I was working on a, a Christian talk show, I would screen the phone calls and talk to the, to the uh, callers before they came on the air. And one of the questions that we posed one day is, are there more ways to heaven than through Jesus? You know, cause the Bible specifically talks about there, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the father, but by me, it's very clear. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And we would have people that would tell us that they were Christians. They go to church their entire life. They read the Bible every day, but there's more than one way to get to heaven. Jesus isn't the only way to get to heaven. And we try to push on that a little bit and find out, well, why the Bible says this, you say you follow the Bible. But now you're telling us something that you believe is not biblical. So how is that? And you start to find out that that's kind of what's being taught, you know, things like that. And it starts slowly and subtly, and then it begins right. to grow. And the next thing you know, we are, you know, believing something that is completely wrong. But it starts out with the subtle, like that, that gateway thing that opens the door, and then it grows from there. And people think that those little subtle things, oh, it's just an innocent little drink, or it's just an innocent little, you know, banter back and forth between a colleague, or, you know, oh, it's just, right. you know, it's just a game. You know, Target, they're a multi-billion dollar company, and they're not going to miss a $40 game, you know. And we start to excuse away our behavior, and the next thing you know, now we are in full, underwater, drowning in this very thing that was supposed to be just a simple little pleasure to begin with. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it reminds me really of the fact, Son, that th there really are no little sins in, in terms of, um, you know, it not having a, a great impact. I mean, you know, like you say, um, if a person, you know, engages in something that, that he or she perceives just to be a little minor thing, that, that minor, quote-unquote, minor sin can easily start to entangle itself around you. And, in fact, this is one of 
you know, Satan's lies that, that, you know, these small sins, that, that they're not a very big deal. But as you point out, son, um, those, those small things can quickly become habits. And, you know, the Bible says a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. And so today I would say, you know, more than ever, we, we need to immerse ourselves daily in, um, in, in scripture and in prayer and, in, in, you know, um, worshiping the Lord. Uh, I mean, now, you know, m- most people have, you know, busy, active jobs where their minds are engaged in that work much of the day. And then they come home and there are needs with the family and there are, um, you know, bills to pay and all sorts of things going on. But it really takes, um, you know, discipline. I mean, you know, people can, can find ways even throughout the day to, you know, to meditate upon a, a passage of scripture, to offer up a prayer. I mean, what we need to realize, Son, is that, you know, starting the day with maybe even a devotion, ending the, the night, you know, ending uh, our evening with prayer before we go to bed. I mean, those are great things to do. But, but, but the battle is going to rage all day long. And, and we're going to need the armor of God all day. We're going to need to be um, aware. Uh, I mean, we're going to get tripped up at times. Um, but sometimes when we get tripped up, uh, I think it's because we haven't really brought our A game. You know, we, we haven't been in the moment. Um, we have just kind of been coasting. And when I say in the moment, I'm, I'm especially meaning in the moment spiritually. Um, we have not gone into that day or that, that meeting or that um, – that afternoon or whatever it is with, you know, really with this, the power of God and the strength of God. And, um, you know, anybody who's been at this Christian living thing for very long at all realizes that, you know, you can have a great stretch where you go a period of days, weeks, months, and, and, you know, there really isn't anything that you're aware of that's really tripping you up greatly in your spiritual life. But, but, but then out of nowhere can come an incident where now you're, you're starting to harbor a grudge or, where you're, you're, you're starting to, to fixate on some material possession that you want, uh, or, or, or you've, you've taken a, a little bite, let's say, of, of lusting after something or someone, and now, now your mind is starting to be pulled in that direction. Just like James says, you know, your, your, your sin, it, it drags you away, you know, it entices you and then it drags you away. So, um, we need this, uh, vigilance. We need this consistency and persistent, um, you know, focus on the Lord. Um, and we realize that, you know, Satan doesn't take any time off, you know, um, you know, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, you know, anybody who, who thinks, you know, it's easy to live the Christian life. has never tried it. Um, because it's not easy to live the Christian life. It's easy to be saved, born again, justified, redeemed, and forgiven. It's easy to, you know, receive the free gift of eternal life. That's the easy part. And the reason that's so easy is because it costs God so much of his only son. Uh, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. But then the hard part begins. Uh, and, and, you know, Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7, especially, um, where, you know, man's sinful nature is still part of his being. And even though we've been set free from sin, in other words, we're no longer under the control of it, we are free to say no to sin, um, we're still tempted by it. And, 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 and so, in fact, the chapter earlier uh, in Romans 6 there, Paul has that famous statement where he says, you know, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? You know, and he says, you know, of course not. You know, how, well, we, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Um, but, you know, the, these are things that Christians experience in the Christian life. And, and uh, there'll be, um, you know, peaks and valleys in everyone's Christian life. There'll be uh, periods where... Um, 
you know, it seems like sin isn't getting much of a foothold. Uh, but, but then something, you know, pops up out of the blue. And if we're not careful, we, we start to become entangled in it. And, and, and we realize very quickly, son, that even a little sin, you know, uh, it disrupts uh, our peace in Christ. And, and this is really, you know, goes back to the original question that you asked at the beginning here uh, of the interview. You know, um, you know, why is sin so, you know, destructive to the soul? One of the biggest reasons it is for the Christian is because it upsets our peace in Christ. It starts to get us uh, focused on um, that sinful thing, whatever that is. Maybe it's a grudge. Maybe it's um, greed. Uh, you know, maybe it's lust. Maybe it's, um, you know, something else that, that we're being, uh, uh, you know, tempted to, to give into. But, but it does definitely chip away at, at the peace that, that God wants us to have. And, and so, again, we, just, we, we need the, the, the Word of God every day and prayer every day and, and the encouragement and, and counsel of others, you know, every day. Uh, because, um, you know, we are, we are weak in and of the flesh. I mean, we don't have the strength to stand up against sin, but, but with Christ in us, we can, we can say no to sin. Um, in fact, the Bible says that's what the grace of God teaches us to do, uh, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And, and so this is the journey, um, here in this life, there'll be no temptation, no sin in heaven when we get there. But, but right now, this is the journey that every believer is on. And um, doesn't matter what nation you live in, what you know, what you know, your your uh, color is, what your race is, what your background is. You know, um, everybody faces uh, temptation, and and yet the Lord offers us a way out, and He certainly offers us the forgiveness of our sins uh, through the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for us. You know, the other thing, Dan, that comes to mind is that let's say somebody does us wrong. And so we want to exact our revenge and try to get them back. And so our mind starts to can be, be consumed by that, and, and we're thinking about that. And so it takes away our thoughts from being on Jesus and, and you know, thinking those godly things and meditating like you were talking about. And, and so it starts to distract us and take us away, and then we start to get down that, um, go down that rabbit hole and become a schmeagle where we're this ugly being. But those are the things, too, that we have to kind of realize is that maybe the objective sometimes in some of the things that we're being attacked isn't necessarily to completely destroy us, but just to take our attention away from God. I mean, you know, you think about um, there was an article I read one time, and it was talking about the church and how this guy had just come back from church, he was driving home, and he was singing Journeys, Don't Stop Believing, because the worship band had been playing, you know, uh, music like that to uh, during the service to get people, I guess, amped up for the church. And so he thought that it was interesting that he was leaving church, and his focus was, you know, Journey, Don't Stop Believing, as opposed to maybe something the pastor had said. And it got him thinking, you know, that, wait a minute, if the worship band is playing secular music, which he had no problem with the secular music aspect of it, but he's thinking if his mind is not on what the sermon was or a, a, a message or something of a biblical nature and he left church, then maybe that's not the place for that because even though there might not be anything wrong scripturally or biblically with playing you know, a journey song at a church service, it just distracted him from the message. So he's singing a journey song on the way home and doesn't really remember what the pastor said. And it's almost like then that became the distraction 
and that was the end goal. It wasn't yeah. to necessarily yeah. just destroy him that day. It was to right. make right. him not remember something that the pastor might have said that would help him in his spiritual walk, that might help him, you know, get closer to God, because that's all Satan wants to do is just to drive a wedge between us and God, keep us from him, and he'll do that any way he can. Like you said, it could be something serious. Or it could be something just so subtle as a song that when we leave church, we're singing Journey and we're not thinking about, oh, wait a minute. That's right. The pastor said that I need to be, you know, mindful of these things that come my way so that way I can draw on the Lord. Or, or like, you know, you said, maybe we need to just have a, one verse that we meditate on that day. But because I'm thinking Journey, I missed out on that. And now my relationship with Jesus is starting to kind of float apart because of that. So sometimes I think we have to be careful that just the, even the, the subtleties yeah, of the yeah. non-specific can be a distraction mm-hmm. that then causes yeah. that separation. Yeah, you know, Son, I think what you are um, just putting your finger on here is is something that the Bible addresses for Christians uh, when it says, test the spirits, test the spirits. Um, you know, there there will be a spiritual dynamic many times to, um, you know, things that we engage in. And, and, and maybe, maybe it's a song, maybe it's something on television or internet. Um, but we have to be careful that, um, you know, when, when the Lord is wanting to, to teach us, you know, biblical truth, like in the example you gave there at church, I mean, we don't need the spirit of the world in order to get us, you know, amped up to hear that. Well, what we need is we need the Holy Spirit working through that. Um, and I guess I'll compare it to this. You know, I, I don't know that you know, many of those songs would necessarily raise a person's heart or spirit in worship of God. Those, those songs tend to be more about man and his ability to do, you know, anything. And, and, and it just, you know, and I would compare it to a lot of the Christian music that gets produced, you know, a lot of the contemporary Christian music or, or, you know, the old hymns or traditional songs. I mean, either way. Um, but when so many of these songs, they, they, they point uh, people to the Lord, and there's a spir- such a spiritual dynamic to it. This is why when I hear, you know, songs, for example, with like these heavy guitar riffs and things, it just seems like this is just like a, a talent show for the guitar player. I mean, personally, that does nothing for my spirit whatsoever. Um, when it's just this, this racket, and, and it's not, now and again, I mean, I, I got to be careful. I mean, you know, you know, back in the day, I mean, I, I listened to some of the, um, you know, some of the Christian groups like Petra and, 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 you know, some of those in there, you know, some Christian groups use, use, you know, uh, you know, some of that harder rock music. But, but what I'm really saying is, um, you know, we just have to test the spirits and, 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 and is it drawing me closer to the Lord? Is it, is it bringing me his, his peace or is it just getting me amped up and, and emotional? Um, but not necessarily, uh, being led under the control of the Holy Spirit, um, not necessarily being drawn closer to Christ. You know, John Wesley's mother, uh, Susanna Wesley, had a great quote, uh, and, and they had like ten or twelve kids. And uh, but 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 she said, uh, and of course, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, and uh, you know, so the founder of the Methodist Church, and then you know, Charles Wesley, so many you know wonderful hymns that he wrote. But um, she had a great quote where she said, you know, anything that I'm engaged in, just like a paraphrase that does not, you know, increase my, my, 
my interest in spiritual things and my love of Christ and my, my love for Christ, my love for the word. And these things, she said, that is sin to me. And, and so what she was saying essentially on this song is this what you were addressing about these subtleties. Um, we have to be careful with what's going on around us. I mean, to the best that we can. I mean, if you, if you work in a, in a workspace where there's a ton of profanity flying around and you feel so oppressed by that, I mean, it's difficult not to, to have that. You just kind of leave feeling just like like you just your soul is almost dirty just from from being around all of that. It's very oppressive. Um, so I mean that's a, that's a difficult situation to to deal with uh, for, for for believers who find themselves in that. Um, but whenever we can, um, you know, have some control over what's going to be in our space, uh, you know, what we're going to listen to, what we're going to watch, what we're going to meditate on is the main thing. That's the biggest thing. What am I going to choose to meditate on? But, but what am I going to look at? What am I going to choose to look at? Um, and then we need to learn, you know, what, what things are there for each one of us? You know, what things are there in my life that, that you know, just like Susanna Wesley said, if it's not increasing my love for God, um, then, then that could very well be sin to me. I mean, in, in the sense that um, it's, it's really in some ways it's almost pulling me away from the Lord. So, and then I would say there are a lot of like what I would almost call neutral type things. Okay. So, so let, let's say that, you know, you're a sports fan and, and you've got your favorite team that you watch, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, although of course sports could become a God to somebody, but I, I wouldn't say that, you know, watching a sporting event uh, is, is something where you necessarily are going to test the spirits, you know, I mean, so everybody has their, their interests and their hobbies and their fun things that they do. I'm really not addressing that. Although again, I mean, you know, everything in moderation there, um, we, we don't want it to control us or, or um, be the primary focus of our life, you know, but but I'm really talking about those things that kind of bring in a different uh, a different attitude a different spirit if you will into our existence for that hour or that day and 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 the more we the longer we live on I think the more we learn about ourselves what it, what what things trigger within us um, a spirit that's really not of the Lord because because we know it's it's not it's, rather than increasing my interest for for the things of God. It, it, it's increasing my interest for X, Y, or Z, you know, this other thing, or, or like you, maybe you gave the example, you know, holding a grudge or whatever it is. Um, and there's no peace in it. There's no peace in it. So, um, we have to be careful. We have to, um, ask for the Lord's help, uh, in these things. And, and, you know, this is why the Bible says in Proverbs four twenty three, son, it says above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And so if you just think about a beautiful, you know, spring of water flowing within your soul, I mean, that's the Holy Spirit's beautiful um, power and joy and peace within us. But if we don't guard our hearts on, what happens is we allow other things then to get into our heart that really interrupt that flow and, and just the beauty that God has placed within us. You know, this treasure, the Bible says, that we have in jars of clay, um, you know, it starts to get kind of murky. The water gets a little bit murky because of our own doing. Um, and we don't want that. You know, we, we, we want God's living water within us just to keep us, keep us focused on the straight and narrow, you know, keep us focused on, 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 on the things of God. Um, I always remember, you know, Mel Gibson talking about when he made the passion of the Christ and, and, uh, you know, there was a phrase that just stuck with me, you know, and he said, you know, we just have to be so squeaky clean when we were doing that movie because, you know, it's like God was using them in such a great way. And, and I thought, well, you know, that, that's a great that's a great thing to put forth for the Christian life 24-7. 
from the from the day you're born again until the day you go to heaven. I mean, God calls us to be squeaky clean. I mean, He doesn't call us to to to, to give in to this or that. Now, again, we all fall short, don't we? Um, but but that was a great line from Mel Gibson. And and while you and I and most believers are probably never going to make some multi million dollar movie about the Lord, we are going to be used by the Lord in other ways, and, and sometimes in very remarkable ways. But but we we whether whether we are or not being used in remarkable ways. Um, God calls us to be squeaky clean. You know, the Bible says, be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. It doesn't say be unholy because you're forgiven. It doesn't say, you know, go give in to sin and kind of be casual about the way you live because, you know, you're on your way to heaven. No, it says just the opposite of that. You know, it, it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, not being afraid that you're lost. I mean, you know, I mean, unless you're just you know, deliberately living for sin and, and you don't believe in Christ, then yes, you, you know, you're not saved. But, but to work out your salvation with fear and trembling is to live with this holy awe that you're, you're working out your salvation right here in the presence of God. By the way, you can't work out your salvation if you don't have it, okay? It doesn't say work for your salvation. It says work out your salvation. Uh, it's like my son-in-law is a, is a trainer who, who works at a gym and helps people train and everything. And, um, you know, you, you can't go, you can't work out your body um, it, it, unless you're alive, you know, and, and you can't work out your salvation unless you're spiritually alive. So, so many people have misunderstood that, like, oh, I need to be afraid of, uh, no, not, not afraid of whether you're saved or lost. I mean, if you're trusting Christ, you know, you're saved. And, and, and as long as you're not just like using that as some excuse to live your life for sin, then you're saved, you know, you don't have to worry about that. But, um, by the same token, God wants us to live with that holy, that holy fear of sin, that holy fear of, of displeasing God. Kind of like Joseph had in the Old Testament when Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce him. He's like, hey, how, how, could, I, how could I do this thing against God? I mean, how, how, could I, how could I possibly, you know, go and sleep with you and, and, and commit this kind of a sin against my God and against, you know, your husband, you know, too. So, so, but, but there has to be a holy fear of sin. And, and I'll tell you something, we don't have it in and of our, our sinful nature certainly doesn't have a fear of sin. It's only the Holy Spirit in us. Um, it's only, you know, Christ in us uh, that gives us this. And um, we, we frankly, we, we don't have by nature that, that fear of putting our hand on the hot stove. I'm talking now about our soul. Um, man does not have that fear of his soul touching a hot stove. In fact, what we see in society is, hey, live to your heart's content. You know, go do whatever you want to do. Um, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know, meaning, you know, whatever you want to do in your life, you know, it, it really won't have any impact on anything else in eternity. Uh, well, that is completely false, completely um, wrong. And we all are going to stand before God and have to give an account of our life. And, and for the person who just lived for sin, well, it's not going to be a happy day. So um, we are called to be holy because the Lord is holy. Um, but, but we aim for perfection, the Bible says. But of course we fall short. Of course, you know, uh, we, we fall far short of that. Um, you know, if you don't think you fall, sh fall short of sin, then I guess I would say, when was the last time that you spent, you know, 10 seconds engaged in some sinful thought? or holding a grudge. I mean, you know, it's all, it's all over the place. I mean, and, and so Paul could say the good that I want to do, I don't do the evil. I don't want to do that. I keep on doing. 
And I suspect for the Apostle Paul, that might have been like, you know, five seconds here, 10 seconds there, um, attitudes that he had to then all of a sudden, wait a minute, I can't have that attitude. Uh, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, major sin in Paul's life because we would have heard about it in the Bible. God, God didn't hide those things. You know, I mean, whether it was David's fall and the sin with Bathsheba, um, you know, whether it was Peter's denial of the Lord three times. I mean, God, that, that's one of the, the ways that you know the Bible is, is true and from God, because it presents God's people with their warts and all, not just some rosy, you know, perfect picture of, of God's people who never do anything wrong. Well, we know better than that. Just read the Old Testament, you know, and then look at the New Testament. So um, we are called to live a holy life because we've been saved by a holy God. And, and I'll tell you, son, we're, we're going to fall short every day, but we, we keep pressing on, forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead, the Bible tells us. You know, Dan, you mentioned football, and one of the uh, dilemmas, I guess you could say, out here in the West Coast is, you know, football games will start at 10 a.m., which is prime church service time. And so every yeah. football season, you know, it's like, oh, there's, there's my team is on. I need to stay home and watch it, you know, and, and watch the game right. because, you know, if I, even if I tape it, I'm still going to get alerts on my phone and I'll find out the score. And, you know, I'm guilty of that. You know, there's a t- team that comes on. I want to watch. I'm like, ooh, I gotta, gotta watch it, you know, and so, but sure. it's even, it's even the subtleties of, of something like that, you know, that can creep in there because you mentioned football. It's like, People maybe in the central time zone, the east, might not really understand that because the games start later. But I remember when I was living in Iowa, you know, I thought it was pretty cool because I could go to church and do my church stuff and and have my day. And then I'm coming home. And now football's just beginning because it starts later in the day there. And here on the West Coast, it's a little bit more of a temptation. Am I going to stay, watch the game? Am I going to get up and go to church? But the other thing, too, it comes down to this. And, and you mentioned passion of the Christ, uh, passion of, of the Christ, the movie. And um, I want to play something that came to mind. Um, I heard this clip, and I saved it. It's Steve Jobs talking about that very thing, passion. And I think it's something that kind of fits here. So let me see if I can get this to play. And this is what he had to say about, because he's talking about success, you know, being a successful person. What does it take to be a successful person? And passion came up. You're having a passion for something, you know, is, is a way to be successful. So here's, here's what he had to say. People say you, you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. And it's totally true. And the reason is, uh, is because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard, and you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, if you're not having fun doing it, you don't really love it, uh, you're going to give up. And that's what happens to most people, actually. If you really look at, 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 at the ones that uh, ended up you know, being successful, unquote, in the eyes of society and the ones that didn't, oftentimes it, it's the ones that are successful loved what they did so they could persevere when, you know, when it got really tough. And, and the ones that, that didn't love it, quit because they're sane right who would want to put up with this stuff if you don't love it so it's a lot of hard work and and it's a lot of worrying constantly and uh um if you don't love it you're going to fail so you got to love it you got to have passion you know there's also there's some some truth in there with that when you talk about you know 
your passion for the church, your passion for God, your passion for your belief. Because it's if we don't have a passion for it, we are going to fail. We're going to not want to go to church. We're going to want to stay home and, and watch football. Or we're not going to want to go to Bible study, not going to want to read our Bible because it becomes too difficult. And we're not going to want to put up with the struggle, the obstacles that come away, fighting temptation, you know, doing all that, trying to, you know, fight the desires of this world. And it's and it's and there's some truth to the fact that you gotta have that passion, passion for the Christ, because that's ultimately uh well maybe not ultimately, but that's the thing that's gonna drive us, our the human in us, the human uh desire to know Christ and to want to read the scripture and to want to go to church and to be a part of that. There has to be a passion in us because if we just take it passively, we're gonna fail and we're not going to be successful and we want to give up because the road is difficult and it's not easy. But without that passion there, it's it's going to be even harder to come by because we're not going to want to do it. Well, I'll tell you, Son, you know, um, if anything, you know, illustrates that very point you're making, it's the fact that the disciples who walked with the Lord for, for three years, um, uh, they... They needed the power of the Holy Spirit before they could go out with the passion that you're describing. And, and, and so if it had not been for the Holy Spirit, you know, coming on the day of Pentecost to give power to God's people and, and to those disciples and now today to us, yeah, we, we wouldn't have, we would have no interest in the things of God. You know, the Bible says no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And, and so we can't be saved without the Holy Spirit, but, but neither can we be passionate for Christ without the Holy Spirit. Um, we love ourselves by nature. We don't love God by nature. Um, we need God to put within us his love, his love for us, and then that love that motivates us and fills us with a love for him. So God provides everything we need. You know, I wrote an article, one time song uh, entitled, Jesus is a believer's justification and sanctification. And, you know, if we have the idea that, well, Jesus saves me, then I got to go out and live the Christian life by my power. You know, that nothing could be further from the truth. Um, in, in order for us to have the passion that you're describing there, we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we, we rely upon the Holy Spirit. We call upon the Holy Spirit. We, we, we seek to not grieve the Holy Spirit because, um, you know, as it says in Ephesians, um, we are capable of grieving the Holy Spirit. You know, when, when we hold grudges, when we live in bitterness, we live in resentment, when, when we live in greed or lust or any sin, we are, we are grieving that holy third person of the Trinity who lives within us, and, and it greatly reduces our interest in spiritual things. Um, this ebb and flow, it, it gets very low, uh, our, our interest in the things of God. Um, and it's the opposite of that passion that you're describing, Son, that we need to live the Christian life. So I think you, you put your finger on it there. And, and fortunately, God, um, you know, he's given us uh, not only salvation through his son, but he's given us spiritual power and passion through the Holy Spirit. And, uh, boy, we need him every day, and we want to be very sensitive um, to, his, uh, to his guidance. And, and you know, the, the, the more we walk with Christ and the closer we get to him, you know, we'll start to be a lot more sensitive to those little nudgings. You know, uh, my wife and I have been married for 30 years. And, you know, you, you start to learn after a number of years very, very quickly um, if, if you're saying something or doing something that's bothering your spouse because you know them so well. And, and, um, and, and if you are doing something that's offending them, 
I, you know, there's immediate friction that needs to be resolved by a change. I mean, many times a, a confession of, hey, I'm sorry, you know, uh, but then also a change of behavior. Well, if that's true between two human beings who are still sinful and imperfect, I mean, how much more true is it when, when we are grieving the Holy Spirit who is highly, highly sensitive because he's holy. I mean, he's perfect. Uh, it's a miracle that he would even continue to live within a son. As believers now I'm talking about, with, with, with how far uh, we as believers still fall short of the mark. But God in his mercy, he doesn't leave us. He doesn't leave the house. You know, he stays within us. But, but, but he will many times, will, there will be that, that little nudge, that gentle nudge of the Spirit that will sense that, you know, hey, something's not right here in the way I'm looking at this thing or the focus that I'm having or the way I'm responding or the way I'm looking at this other person or whatever. And, and that is a huge part of living the Spirit-filled life which another way to say that too, Son, would be the spirit impassioned life that you're describing. So, so you know, anybody who's been married knows how much attention you have to pay, not just to the big things, but to the little things that cause irritation. And, and if it's true between human beings, how much more true between us and God, we've got to pay attention to whether we're pleasing him or whether we're offending him. And we can't just assume that, well, I can offend God, it won't have any impact. Well, it will. Now, God won't be pleased. That's the biggest thing. But then our hearts are going to start to then be disrupted. And, and, and uh, it's just not a, not, not a place where, where we're going to want to be living in our hearts and our minds and our thinking. If, if we're just, oh, you know, I can, I can grieve the Holy Spirit. No big deal. Well, no, God says it is a big deal. You know, Dan, there's a, a time that we've come to in America where, you know, self-responsibility is is kind of taking a back seat to blame blame others you know uh somebody commits a crime we blame the victim if you know people do something they lash out they act out we gotta you know blame something you know we just had a summer full of riots and so you know we gotta blame you know the lack of social justice to justify our actions or you know if we storm the capitol we gotta blame a, a president he incited it you know so we blame everybody and and self-responsibility is taking a back seat. No one wants to take responsibility for themselves. We're going to blame everybody, you know. We're going to make accusations against people to try to tear them down instead of realizing that the problem is is ourselves. And so, you know, people will say, you know, when it comes to doing bad things and sinning, oh, the devil made me do it or, you know, I was tempted and 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 I couldn't get out of it because of x y or z. But that's not true. Uh, the devil can't make us sin, and God gives us every reason or gives us every tool in the toolbox to be able to turn from temptation and to flee from it. So it's almost like we have to self-examine and take a look at ourselves and find the fault in us and then go to God and be like, hey, this is my problem. This is the issue. It's like you know, your car's not working properly, so you go to the mechanic. The mechanic asks what's wrong, and you describe the problem. And sometimes that description is hilarious, I'm sure. Um, but you're trying to find out what the problem is so they can fix the car so that then the car can run smoothly and you have no problems. And it's almost like our spiritual life needs to be that way. It's almost like we need to be able to go to God and say, you know what? These are the problems I'm facing. Don't know how to handle it. Don't know what to do to overcome it, but I need you to help me. And then he gives us the tools because it's all right there. We don't have to travel this road alone. You mentioned the Holy Spirit. You know, that's the one huge probably tool in the toolbox that we can lean on. Um, but all we need to do is go to him and he will then come in and help and intervene and 
we can overcome that sin that is uh, destroying us. Well, there's no doubt about it, Son. And, and if we will just call upon the Lord, you know, he promises to hear us. He promises to deliver us. He promises to strengthen us and to help us. Um, you know, but, but you know, it's like it says in James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. And and so just as you said there, Son, um, we, we, we need to, uh, we, we need to reach out to the Lord. We need to be humble enough to admit our need. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, when, when we first, you know, get saved, you have to be humble enough to admit to God that you're a sinner and can't save yourself and that, you know, you need Jesus. And, and that need for humility doesn't stop there at the beginning of our relationship with God. Um, we need it every day because, uh, you know, um, the opposite of humility is pride and, and pride and the Christian life do not go together at all. Um, you know, there, there's no room for pride. I mean, pride is what brought down, um, you know, Lucifer, uh, pride is, is, you know, pride goes before fall. And, uh, it, it's true. Um, you know, it's true in the hearts of those who are unbelievers, but it's also true in the heart of any believer who, who gives into pride and says, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to handle this on my own. So, um, thankfully we do have, uh, the great resource of our great God that we can call on anytime and, and he will definitely hear us and, and deliver us. What do you think, Dan, about, um, you know, in our culture, we've got it pretty good. Uh, I know people that have gone on the mission field to, you know, even most recently, like Iraq and places in the Middle East where ISIS was really, you know, raining terror upon people. And they see the poverty. They see the conditions that people live in. And there's other places around the world, too, where, you know, people go and they see the condition of the Christians living in these places. You can think of China, for one, another example. And they really live in in poverty, and they live in um a state where all they can do is rely on God, nothing else. That's their, their main thing. I think of, you know, addicts and people coming out of uh, addiction. You know, they become a Christian, and, and you see this change in them where they realize the only thing that can keep them sober every day is Jesus. And so they're 100% reliant upon him. But then, you know, you look at the rest of us and, you know, we, we live even, even for poverty. We live those in poverty. We live in a pretty good environment, you know. Um, and for those that are fortunate enough and blessed enough to kind of, you know, live a normal life, you know, have a place to live, have jobs, cars, things like that, you know, we, we live in a lap of luxury. And so sometimes we can, you know, put God on a shelf. Um, and, and then just call him down like the genie in the lamp when we need him. And we really don't take him seriously. You know, we don't take the commandments seriously. We don't take, you know, we believe it. We try to live it and it's real. It's not fake. It's real, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's not first and foremost, you know, right. and, and he's, he's just there. And then we, we, we call on him when we need him. And then when he helps us, then we kind of put him back. And it's this relationship of, you know, putting him on a shelf and bringing him down when we need him. But it's like, is that, do you think, a, a problem for us that, you know, we need to take God more serious, take the relationship with him more serious? Because, you, you know, you talk about when you're with a spouse, you get to know the ins and outs real quick, and you have that relationship yeah. where you don't even need to communicate, and you know what's going on. And, right, and, right. It's, and it's almost like when you, when you look at the church today and you look at people, you know, I look at myself, it's almost like we, we're, we live in such a luxury and a convenient society and a convenient world that... We're not solely dependent or we don't need to be solely dependent on God because we can take care of right. ourselves. 
But yeah, we're just going to have them on the shelf and then bring them down when we need them. Yeah, you know, it makes me think of the uh, scriptural command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, um, you know, the the thing you're describing, Sion, would be would, would be a person that, let's say, uh, maybe they're single and maybe they're dating, you know, uh, a couple of different people and nothing too serious. And, you know, they kind of like both of them and, and, uh, but they're not really wanting to get into anything too serious and not really wanting to commit to anything. Um, well, you know, that would be a picture of really, um, you know, the, the, the person who, um, it is not, is not committed to the Lord, um, is not, you know, is not viewing God the way that let's, let's say a husband and wife were fully committed to one another. And, um, you know, they're just completely sold out to, to being married to one another and not, you know, not having anything get in the way of their relationship. Um, well, that's a picture of, of what, you know, man can have with God, but, but, but you have to be sold out for it. You have to be fully committed. Um, you have to make that decision and grow in that, um, and frankly, son, I mean, man in his own human nature, he doesn't want that. Um, he, he wants to have more independence than that. Uh, he doesn't want to be tied down. You know, how, how many times have people said that? Well, I'm not ready to be tied down, you know. Um, and, and people who say that, they most of them have not yet experienced that, that, that being married is, is not, in, in God's design of it, it's not intended to, you know, tie you down as much as it is to set you free, free to love another one, free to experience the depth of that uh, relationship with your soulmate, um, so also with God. Um, a relationship with God, you know, you, you might, many people perceive that as, well, God just wants to, you know, keep me from having fun. Well, then you certainly don't understand your creator or what you've been created to experience. Uh, it sounds like all you've ever experienced is the flesh, because that's the way natural man thinks, not, not the way spiritual man thinks. Not the way you start to think once God comes to live within you and you truly start to experience life the way you were created to experience it. So, um, you know, wh- whether it be the, the, the single person who's not ready to, uh, you know, um, commit or whether it be the religious person who, um, you know, really doesn't want to get too, you know, as people say, I, I don't want to be a Jesus freak. Well, who's saying about being a Jesus freak? You know, we're talking about as being a follower of, of Christ. And the Bible says that there's a high cost to that. There's a high cost to being a follower of Christ. Um, you know, there's a high cost to, to putting, you know, Christ first in, in every area of your life. But that's what he calls for. I mean, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't offer himself to you to be one of many lords in your life. Um, you can either receive him as your Savior and Lord uh, and, and him be the only Lord and no one even a close second in terms of who's number one in your life. Uh, or you can continue to live without him, but but he, he's not going to lower the bar uh, of what's required because he's perfect, and 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 this is why God's designed us to to live in in fellowship with him, um, and to view him as our all in all. You know that 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 song we sing. You know, you are my strength when I am weak. You know, um, and so Christ is our all in all. You know, and uh, at least that's what he wants to be, and. Um, you know, so that that's the goal, son. That's what, what God uh, calls us to. And then everybody, you know, gets to decide whether or not they want to get on board with that plan or not. And, uh, uh, you know, the Bible shows us 
that, that those who get on board with that plan are glad, you know, they did when all said and done. And those who didn't are not, are not glad that they, that they refused to get on board. But, but at the time when you're, we, you're in, you know, your life and you're either living in the flesh or you're living in the, uh, well, mainly, I guess, if you're living in the flesh, you just, you don't, you don't see what you're missing and you certainly don't see the danger that you're in um, if you don't repent and believe the good news. Yeah, as we kind of conclude our conversation here today, if somebody, you know, maybe they've never accepted Jesus or maybe they've kind of floated away and think about coming back, how can we, how can we, how can someone get that close relationship with Jesus? Yeah, I tell you, Son, it's very, very uh, simple. Um, you know, I would just invite you, my friend, just with the faith of a child, just to reach out to the Lord right now. Um, you know, you can even just pray pray these words with me. If you would just, just say, dear, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. Um, I cannot save myself. Um, I recognize that I need you in my life. Uh, please come and wash away my sin with the blood that you shed on the cross. I believe you died for me, Jesus. Forgive me. Save me. Uh, be my Lord and my Savior. I want to follow you, Lord. I turn from sin today and, and wash my sin away and fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord, and then help me to get connected to a, a good church that preaches the Word of God and people, uh, Christians, are loving one another and, and just serving you joyfully. Uh, but help me, Lord, uh, now to grow in my faith uh, as a forgiven uh, child of God, in Jesus' name, amen. And, uh, and my friend, if you prayed that prayer, then just know, know that, that, that Christ uh, has forgiven you because you've asked him to. Um, you've received him as your Savior. You know, in First uh, John, we're told, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And you can know that today, my friend, on the basis of your confession of, of faith in Christ. And, and now it'll be important, though, to be feeding your soul, feeding your mind, uh, feeding your heart every day with God's word and being with other Christians and singing his praises and confessing your sins to God when you when you go astray in any way. But that's all part of it, isn't it? I mean, that's what marriage is. You know, you, you, you try and, and uh, you know, live, live for your spouse. But there are times you have to say, I'm sorry. Hey, I, honey, I blew it, you know. And, and the same is true in, in the Christian life. So. Uh, so that's really fun. That, that's how simple it is. And, and, uh, and so we'll, we'll pray that, um, you know, for those who, who have heard this and, and responded, that God will just really help them now uh, in their walk with Christ. Dan Delzell, author at the ChristianPost.com. You can go to ChristianPost.com and then the search engine. Just type in his name and all the articles pop up that he's written, which is a basis for a lot of the conversations that we have here. And then also a uh, pastor at uh, Redeemer Church in Papillion, Nebraska, Facebook page, right? That's where they can go and, and yeah. kind of see yeah. some stuff there. Right. And then if they want to maybe reach out to you on a more personal level, is there a way that they can do that? Maybe an email or something? Yeah, they could email me, son, at dandelzell, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L, at cox, C-O-X dot net. And I'd be more than happy to uh, hear from anybody and, and to, uh, uh, you know, have a dialogue and try to answer any questions or offer any encouragement that I can. And you can find me at uh, on Instagram at edemrocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. You can go ahead and DM me there. And, uh, Dan, we thank so much. Uh, thank you so much for your time and for your, uh, sharing with us, uh, your thoughts on the matter. And, uh, 
we really appreciate it. And as we move forward into the new year, we look forward to uh, many more conversations about uh, the different things of sanctified reason and how we can look at this world through a biblical perspective. Well, thank you, son. I sure look forward to that as well. And and, uh, God's blessings to you and all of our listeners today. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.